0: welcome to the inside this was the week that a feel-good family movie left everyone in hollywood simply amazed coming into the holidays facing COVID headlines and headwinds spider-man no way home filled cinemas everywhere with enthusiastic fans grateful for a break from bad news. Spider-Man has broken box office records set by Titanic, the Avengers, and even Star Wars, with more than $700 million just in the United States, and it's soon expected to cross over $1.6 billion worldwide. So after a rough 2021, we can say Happy New Year indeed. I am Jim Chabin in Los Angeles, and with me is Wim Byens. He serves as CEO of Senionic and he joins us live from Brussels, Belgium, where it's evening. Good evening, Wim.
1: Hey, good morning, Jim.
0: Wim, the statistics came out this week. Wells Fargo uh, Consulting put out some, some research about investment in movie making. First of all, Spider-Man, they uh, estimate, has sold 60 million tickets wow. just in the U.S. Now, this during a pandemic billion. They think it's going to cross over a $2 billion figure. But the nine media and tech companies that are making content combined estimate that they'll spend $140 billion in 2022 on content creation. $140 billion. That's an increase of over 10%. Disney is uh, uh, going to spend alone in 2022, they say, $33 billion. That's up from $25 billion. Warner Discovery, that new entity, the former Warner Media, which is now part of the Discovery family, they're indicating they're going to spend $22 billion. So the amount of money being invested in content and all of that seems to be almost difficult to get your mind around.
1: No, but you're right, Jim. But I think the, the two main drivers for this industry, I believe, is the fact that people keep on producing content. And that's because they believe they get a return, right? Otherwise, they wouldn't produce. So that, that's a fantastic indicator. But it also means that that a ton of people want to consume, I would say, entertainment content. And that stays, for me, the biggest driver. People want to consume it in all different types of environments, in all different types of devices. But they, 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 they we can't bring it fast enough kind of thing, looks like it. And I think your numbers on, on the production of content is just showing that. And I think that's that's a big, big uh, positive indicator for the whole industry, I believe, yeah.
0: Well, it's uh, it's remarkable that these companies seem to be doing well. Uh, the challenge for many of these companies is how do you manage your workforce? How do you get them there? How do you keep them healthy? Um, how do you recruit and, and have enough people? And that's uh, the topic of our discussion today.
1: Jim, we have a perfect guest to kick off our year 2022. Cathy Mandado is one of the most respected talent experts in Hollywood. She has recently served as chief human resource officer for Warner Media Entertainment and previously held similar roles at NBC Universal. She is the founder and HR advisor at Workplace Insider, consulting with companies like Meow Wolf and Xprize. She joins us today from Los Angeles. Welcome, Cathy.
2: Thank you Wim great to be here thank you for having me So Cathy, thanks
1: you know for being here uh, it has been always tough right uh, to make sense out of the last couple of years uh, but i think we're going to try in this uh, in this podcast to uh, to get some some background and i think you're going to enlighten us right since you have led a large workforce in the past how has last year impacted you the most
2: in the past year and a half i've been consulting with companies of Different sizes, so I I have companies from seventy employees to a thousand employees right now, and it's just been a roller coaster for anybody really in the human resources field because we've had to learn a lot of skills that we have never had to have before in the history of being an HR professional. You know, we've had to become experts in COVID. We've had to become experts in remote work we've had to try to keep people engaged like never before because of the kinds of pressures that they're having both personally and professionally. So it has been a, a real challenge for people in my profession, as well as you know leaders in general.
1: Do you believe that people working from home is something that's permanently gonna
2: stay there or? I, I really do. And you're talking to somebody who always said, you must be in the office. That was really my, <laughs> my point of view for so many years doing what I did. And, uh, you know, I've worked for many leaders who felt the same way. And as tech, you know, brought the idea of remote work to the forefront and as entertainment really became more infused with the mindset and the uh, culture of what you would normally find in a technology company, you know, there were still many of us who were like, no, in order to be engaged, in order to get your work done, in order to be at your most productive, you have to be in the office. And then COVID came and taught us all something very different. You know, I was at Warner when we went out with COVID at the end of March in 2020, and we launched HBO Max in May. And if you had asked me if we could ever launch a streaming network with 100% remote workforce prior to being forced to do so, I would have said, absolutely not. It would never have worked, but it did work. And it really taught a lot of us who were naysayers about remote work that it can be done and you can be just as productive. So I do think it's here to stay. And I don't think it's because people like me have gotten religion about it. I think it's because employees are going to demand for it to stay.
1: So is working at home, our workforce is working at home, do they have the same productivity? And, and how would you measure that, I would ask? And what is missed by not being able to go to the office, right?
2: Yeah. You know, I've spoken to many CEOs over the past couple of years, and I have yet to find a CEO that believes that his staff has been less productive. In fact, I know a couple of CEOs who have had their best year ever with the remote workforce. So I don't believe that you are less productive necessarily working from home. I do believe that there are many challenges associated with it for leaders and for companies. And that is, you know, how do you keep people feeling engaged in your company culture when you're literally just going from Zoom to Zoom to Zoom? And Zoom ends up being a very transactional platform for all of us. So you get in, you get your business done. From that standpoint, I think it is more productive. But then you get off and you get on another Zoom. You go right into transaction again. And one of the things that I think keep people sticky to a company is the company culture. Also, the fact that they have, you know, they create friendships to the point of feeling like their work, their co-workers are family. That's very hard to do on Zoom. So we need to find mechanisms by which to keep people sticky to the company and to create dialogue really outside of just purely transactional work-related task. And I think mm-hmm. that is something that we're kind of at the beginning of doing because the last year and a half, we've all thought, well, we're all going to go back. I do not think that that's actually going to happen. Uh, again, because employees are, are speaking up and saying, hey, I don't want to go back. And if you make me go back into the office, I'll just leave and go to a place that will allow me to work remotely, which is part of what's driving this, uh, the great quit, as they call it. So it's yeah. going to be very interesting,
0: Kathy. It, it's fascinating to listen to you because I you're not answering the way I expected you to. Oh yeah, you're you, well. You're it's fascinating that you're you, you see this as really a sea change in the way workforces work, and here you have led senior senior HR uh, functions for major creative companies in our industry. And you're indicating that management is getting more and more comfortable with people working from home. They don't feel that they've lost productivity. They see the value of being able to hire people from all over instead of in their local community. And that this is not necessarily a short-term phenomenon, that this may be a sea change in the way we employ and engage our our workforces. That's just kind of mind-boggling, isn't it?
2: Well, it may be a function of who I'm currently working for. You know, I'm working for companies that that aren't fighting it. They're actually embracing it. And I'll, I'll tell you a little bit about the companies I'm working for. So one of them has decided to give up their office entirely and just live with the fact that everyone's going to be living from somewhere else. And they have no office to speak of. Now, that's the company with about 75 employees little easier to do when you're a smaller workforce. Another company I work for right now is understanding that it's very difficult to hire real talent when you try to force them to come to a particular part of the U.S. People are not going to move necessarily to this particular town. So this company has said, we've got to embrace this. We've got to realize that we, we are okay with hiring people anywhere from Los Angeles to New York and every place in between. So that's something that that company has been doing. Pretty much every company I work for right now is okay with remote work. There is one exception. There is a CEO that is trying to get people back into the office and has set a date by which he wants everyone to come back to the office. And those employees do not want to go back in.
0: The record four and a half million people quit their jobs in November. You mentioned the big quit. What's going on?
2: Well, I I think that the pandemic has caused people to rethink, you know, what are they doing with their lives? You know, we've all had a lot more time to reflect. You know, we're no longer doing that commute. We're no longer chained to our desk. You know, now we're actually at home enjoying a real true mix of personal and professional business during the day. Things have become, we've been looking through things through a different lens and we now enjoy the fact that we can go outside and take a walk at two o'clock in the afternoon or read our child a story at 4 PM after they get out of school. Something of that nature. I think people are just taking a different look at their life and understanding that there's more to life than work. So People are looking for jobs that promote that kind of work-life mixture, not balanced so much anymore as it is a mixture where you can do personal during the day, potentially. So I think that it's all about that personal reassessment that people have had to do. And the pandemic brought that on. But I also think that there are some aspects of the younger generations where that's been coming even before the pandemic hit that, you know, millennials have kind of looked at life a little bit differently. And now Gen Z, I have yet to meet a Gen Z who wants to work at a desk job. Now, I'm sure they're out there, but it's not something that at least the Gen Zs in my life are looking forward to. It might be because they're still trying to figure out what they want to do, but they also see that there are lots of different options for them. And most of the internships right now are remote. So the Gen Zs that are doing internships are not experiencing an office setting. So that's also normalizing in a way. These remote internships are normalizing how it might be after they get out of college.
0: Does each generation become a different workforce? Is there something in leading a Gen Z generation that are coming into the workforce that would might have been different from the millennials or or the boomers or previous uh, workforces that came before them?
2: I do think that each generation brings something different to the workforce. And I remember when we first started talking about millennials and, uh, you know, they really brought a lot of change, I think, to how we managed ourselves in the the work environment. And I think great change, frankly. And I do think that Gen Z is going to bring a whole new uh, lens to how we work this is the generation that grew up on TikTok. They grew up knowing that it's a real career choice to be an influencer. And you can make thousands of dollars every month just unwrapping products or you know, talking about something uh, on TikTok or Instagram, et cetera. So they look at life, I think, even more in terms of a gig economy than maybe anyone has done so before. So I think this whole thing, a gig economy, might be a real thing that gets pushed by the Gen Z generation.
0: Wim, are you comfortable hiring people on a gig basis, uh, on a on a contract basis, or do you want them? You prefer to have these people as a part of your your HR family?
1: Well, you know, it's a good question, right? So, yesterday, on let's say traditional, I would have said no. I would like to have them part of the family because I believe that our company culture is a very important thing to embrace. And as a contractor, you feel an outsider, and you don't want to have that that feeling. But I think that what COVID has learned clearly by working more, you know, from home or from let's say not being at the office, that it is easier to embrace people, right, into project-based, and they have to work their way inside it. Like you know, today, a normal employee has to do it, which is also all the time on Teams and and Zoom calls. So I think that in order to embrace talent, you know, which maybe are a little bit older or maybe are a little bit younger, a little bit different, uh, that's where I think, I think it works. So so you can, I think, inspire the diversity in that sense. Um, so, so I do believe that that's definitely a way to go. I don't think we do it enough. I think we should do it more. And it's a kind of flexibility which is, you know, sometimes companies are not always set up to that, right? Because it, it's, it goes quickly. It's not about just somebody's, you know, be for two or three years on a project. No, it's two months here, six months there. It's that kind of speed, and you, you, you're gonna have to, as a company, have to be comfortable with that, especially also the business we're into in technology. You know, it takes a while to get yourself, let me say productive, but also to get to know, you know, the environment, the, the products, the customer base, all that stuff. So yeah, I think it's something we need to embrace, but I think we need to do more. And I, I wouldn't say I'm the example of perfect here, but but yes. So that brings me on to to the next question following that up, if you might say. How can companies benefit from those generations sitting in different environments, like more at home and so on? What is working for them, you believe?
2: Well, I think if employers are open to allowing people to work from anywhere, they're going to get potentially happier and more engaged employees because their personal life is being taken care of along with their professional life. If they can live in a a city where they're near family or able to take care of their aging parents and don't have the stress of having to do that across the entire country if they can have people live where they want to because they are striking a better work-life balance working from a state where they feel, you know, they have a better living wage or cost of living is lower. I think then that you will get a more engaged workforce and a more grateful workforce and and people who are uh, happy to have an employer who understands that that's important to them.
1: More, more stickiness, right? Like
0: you said.
2: Yeah, more stickiness. I think that will really make a difference.
0: W- when you use the term sticky, what do you mean?
2: I think there is a risk that people will be taking those phone calls when they come along you know, those, maybe those job offers, those inquiries that you might get from a search firm or a friend or a colleague who has an opening at their company. There's a risk that people are going to take those calls more often if they're not feeling sticky to the company. And by sticky, I mean, they're willing to, to you know, stick with you and figure out how to make the most of the situation.
0: Is that an emotional attachment? What is that attachment?
2: I think it can an emotional attachment, I think, again, you know, I will hearken back to having done many, many exit interviews in my career. And even though you are catching people when they are exiting, when you ask some of the most valuable questions <laughs> of their entire experience at your company, they often say, look, the one reason why I didn't want to leave for more money or for a promotion or a bigger opportunity is because I feel like I'm surrounded by family and friends at this company. That's almost, a, it's a very common response that you get from people who, leave a company. So creating that friendship, that familial feeling that people have with your company, that's something right. I think is, is very important.
0: Our guest insider today is Kathy Bondado. We'll be right back.
2: The Insiders is proudly presented by Cineonic. Cineonic's future-ready enhanced services and technology solutions provide compelling cinema experiences, peace of mind, and financial flexibility. Today, with more than 95,000 projectors installed globally, cinemas around the world trust laser projection by Cineonic to power the next generation of moviegoing. Visit Cineonic.com today and discover why theaters look to Cineonic to provide the solutions of tomorrow today.
0: Our guest insider today is Kathy Mandato, the founder and HR coach of Workplace Insider.
1: Kathy, tell us about building teams today. Can you interview and hire somebody at Zoom? Is it advisable?
2: Yeah, I think you can do everything by Zoom. <laughs> uh, I think it's been an amazing tool for us, you know, for any company, really. I've hired many people, having never met them. I think that you can do just as solid of an interview on a screen as you can in person. So I'm a big believer that working remotely can be just as effective when it comes to hiring. I do think, though, one of the tricky things will be onboarding. You know, the onboarding process, getting people into a room, having them get to know one another and feel like they're part of something really big is not, in my view, as effective on a screen as it would be inside the four walls of a company. So there are some challenges to doing that. And again, that stickiness that you're trying to create to the company is more challenging on a long-term basis. But I do believe you can effectively hire people on Zoom.
0: If someone's going into an interview and almost all of us are going to do that throughout our careers, is there any advice that you have for someone that you would say, remember when you walk through that door or when you start that Zoom call, remember to what?
2: Well, I would say, remember, it's not all about you. Yeah. I think a lot of times when people do an interview, they come in with what they want that employer to hear about their background. Yeah, They're not coming in with having done their research. They're not coming in with how they're going to highlight things in their background that will really fit with this company. They, they have already decided what their story is, and they want to apply it to that company, whether it fits or not.
0: If you're in an interview and someone says, tell me a little bit about yourself, is that a typical question that you would get? And if so, what's a candidate need to be thinking of when that question's asked?
2: It's the advice that I give a lot of people is, you know, you don't have to show a linear career path where you start with one title, you go to whatever that next title is, and then you go to whatever that next title is. It's not about a linear career path anymore. It's really about showing that growth and having accomplishments along the way. What are the stories you're able to tell about yourself about how you have contributed to a business or changed a business or grown a business? And I don't really ask the question that way. Often when I do the interview, I just wait and see how do people talk about themselves? What are they focusing on? What research have they done that helps them tell the stories that fit the business that you're currently doing the interview for? So I think it is though about managing your accomplishments and being able to talk about them in a way that fits that new company. And, you know, something I always tell people, which seems so basic, but write your accomplishments down along the way. A lot of times if we're, you know, in a particular company and we're feeling great and we're very comfortable, we'll wait for three to five years before looking for something else. And then it's time to put the old resume together. (laughs) Very difficult to do looking back for five years, if you haven't been writing things down along the way. And there are many accomplishments that we have over the years that we often forget about. So, you know, recording those somehow, you know, jotting them down. And then when you go to actually put yourself out there again, you actually have basically created your resume.
0: If you're having an interview with someone, is there a moment where you say, I really, I like this candidate. I think this is, this is a winner. Does that happen? Is that the moment you're looking for? Is that you get a sense of confidence about this candidate? What's that like?
2: I've got to say, I think that is one of my personal superpowers is identifying great talent. And I think it comes from years and years of experience and doing thousands of interviews. Uh, It is a muscle that you can develop if you do it enough. And I don't look necessarily for number of years of experience or job titles or company brand names. It's it's almost, and this may be going against <laughs> the grain of science or whatever you might want to call it, um, it's a feeling you get. It's a feeling you get from that individual about how they're going to come into a company, how they're going to bring what they have learned to the table and how they're going to use their energy and their positivity to uncover new ways of doing things. And it, it does happen for me within the first 30 minutes, usually.
0: Kathy, you've been, it's not unusual for new senior leadership to take over a company and ask you to come in and advise them. What kind of questions are you asking? Let's say Wim brings you in and says, I have this company. It's very dynamic. We're going through a lot of change. What kinds of questions are you asking that senior management so that you can give them the value of your expertise in creating a workforce that will be successful?
2: Well, I think, number one, you have to understand where the company wants to head. What is their vision and goal, you know, or goals for the, the coming year, as an example? I want to try to get to know... What's important to them? What are some of the challenges that they're currently having with their workforce? You know, whether it's attrition, potentially, you know, how do you retain people? Is it hiring? Is it building a a culture that is sticky as we've talked about before? You know, what are the kinds of things that they look to HR for and how can I be of service in that way? And then I think the other thing is how do you quickly get to know the workforce? How do you quickly get to know what's important to them? And then how do you match the two together? Because often there is a disconnect. And the reality of listening to both management and the employees is all of the answers will come from there. And you can figure out how to create the glue that brings those two things together. If you know there are those disconnects, the days of top-down leadership and not listening are over. And people have voice now. People want to exercise that voice. And if you don't give them an outlet to do that, you may find yourself on the wrong side of it. So you know, creating opportunities for people to be heard. I'm working with the CEO right now who just started with uh, a company. It's the company that, Wim, you mentioned in my intro. It's called Meow Wolf. He just was announced this last week. One of the first things that, his name is Jose Telosa, is going to do is he's going to set up all of these listening groups and get the employees to talk to him about what's important to them. And I thought, brilliant. That was not my idea. That came from him. I thought it was such a great way to get started. And he realizes the importance of once you get out there and you listen to folks, you've got to come back to them with what you heard and what you plan to do. It's not just a matter of hosting the the listening sessions.
0: When, when you're talking to someone like uh, Kathy, who's your HR lead in a company, what do you want from your HR team? What are you hoping... That, well, that they will help deliver for you?
1: I think I want them to think about things I don't think on, right? <laughs> so so it's, if I may say so, it's not about executing what I want, but it's about coming up with new ideas, which I didn't thought of. And probably five years ago, probably I would not have said that kind of thing, right? Because then we would have been more in, hey, we got a plan, we want to go there. How do we execute it together? How do we bring everybody along? Right now, we don't have enough ideas. I don't have enough people standing up with new ideas. And, and, and every time, and... and by the way, I'm lucky to have somebody on board who comes up with new ideas on that role. But when they come up with new ideas, it works, right? Because people are looking for new ways of doing things. You want to get inspired in a different way. So I think right now the creativity we need to bring outside as companies um, is what inspires people. And it's going to be part of the new culture, I think, different than what we we used to build. So
0: Kathy, if I want to aspire to be in more senior management in a supervisory role, do I want to be back in an office environment where I can connect with the other senior management, or is that kind of also just not as important as it once was?
2: That's a really great question. I think that time will tell, frankly, on that. We haven't been out working remotely as much, you know, as we have in the last couple of years. I mean, we've all heard the term FaceTime, Right. How much FaceTime can you actually get on Zoom? It's very difficult because you have to schedule it. So FaceTime is sort of a thing of the past. Building relationships is still very much important in terms of your success in the workplace. And how do you build those relationships You know, when you're largely on a screen and maybe you live in a, an area that's not in the same city as the company that you're working for? You know, I, I work for a company right now where we start every meeting with a personal and a professional highlight of the last week. It engages everybody in a conversation. We do a, a roundtable where everybody gets to talk about that one great thing that happened professionally and that one great thing that happened personally. And it opens up, it's, it's almost an icebreaker for the meeting, but it also- And it's a Zoom, call, it's a Zoom call? Yeah, it's on a Zoom call. And it, it opens up conversation about things that are not just the transactional business that you have to get done. How do you, as Wim says, you know, open up that conversation, uh, talk to them about things that are important to them and ask them, how do you do that more often? That's where leaders will really shine right now.
0: Wim, are you asking your senior managers, and you've got a global company with people all over the world, are you asking your senior managers to engage their employees in a different way or in a new way than you needed to do prior to the, the COVID?
1: Absolutely, Jim. And the, the interesting thing is there's is, um, there's not a, a cookbook recipe for this, right? Uh, like like many of us in the traditional thing have, have seen and told, hey, you do it this way, that way. So I think that there's a lot of trial and error, but it's a lot of, I mean, I like the fact, Katya, you talk about empathy, right? Because it's the manager's, feeling what he feels makes sense, right? And then he, he runs kind of cafe talk kind of thing, moments he creates, and everybody can chip in, right? And talk about things in a very, you know, kind of casual way. Uh, but everybody gets his time to chip in and stuff like that. And and people can talk about all kinds of things, right? So so for instance, that's his way of getting his team, right? Because he's he's got a very outgoing team, the sales people, you know, they want they're extrovert, they want to talk with people, they can do much less with that. Yes, they can do Zoom, but it, it's not that Personal leader, right? And so, so I think everybody uh, addresses it in a, in a different way. So I don't think it's it's one way of doing it which we should push. I believe, but but making sure that they put something in place which works for them and trying out new things. Absolutely, I think that's key. Yeah?
0: Kathy, has the nature of being a CEO or a senior leader in an organization changed? Are are, are there qualities that are important now that weren't as as front and center as they were prior to the pandemic?
2: Absolutely. I mean, I think empathy is a big one. You can no longer say, well, you're just lucky to have a job. That's gone out the window too, because people can take another job very easily these days. So being really in tune with how people are feeling and understanding some of the stresses and pressures that they're dealing with and showing that you care about those, that's a... Uh, a strength that leaders need to have these days, understanding how to create more balance for people. And as we talked about earlier, with Zoom being so transactional, and you know, people can sit on a Zoom screen from 8 a.m. to 8 p.m. without a break some days. Building in uh, opportunities to give people a rest break or Having days where Zoom is prohibited or hours of the day where Zoom is prohibited. You know, when you work with the uh, East Coast, making sure that no meetings are scheduled beyond a certain time of day so that the East Coast folks don't have to live by West Coast hours. You know, I mean, all of those things, just taking all of that into consideration, I think is is very important for leaders to do.
1: So, Cathy, if you look at, you know, 2022 and, and a couple of years beyond, right? What are the HR trends you see? Is working in a more, you know, variable way? Is working shorter, longer? What are the trends you believe are the right trends to to think of as companies?
2: I think the days of not discussing mental health in the workplace are probably over. We used to be told, do not bring that into the workplace or your personal life should stay at home. It doesn't belong here. With the melding of personal and professional lives the way they are today, and I do think that COVID has really accelerated that, we now have to be prepared more than ever to allow those personal things into the work environment, but in a safe way, in a way that's safe not only for the employee, but in a way that's safe for the employer to handle it. Because it's here, it's being talked about. It's not something that needs to be shoved under the carpet. And let's face it, anything that your employees are going through on a personal level will come into the workplace. You cannot prevent that. It is who we are as humans. So knowing how to work with it and knowing how to get the best out of people is still our job every day. And knowing how to create an environment and a culture where people can bring their true and full selves to work is something that we need to talk about. And explore more deeply.
0: We are a uh, an industry that benefits mightily from your expertise. Thank you so much for your your thoughts and perspectives on this, and uh, thank you for joining us today.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. Our quote of the day comes from Bob Iger, who just stepped down from the chairmanship of the Walt Disney Company and who leaves his post as one of our industry's most admired CEOs. One of the most important qualities of a good leader, he says, is optimism, a pragmatic enthusiasm for what can be achieved. Even in the face of difficult choices and less than ideal outcomes, an optimistic leader does not yield to pessimism. Simply put, people are not motivated or energized by pessimists. Thank you, Kathy. Thank you, Wim. And thank you all for listening. Happy New Year. The Insiders is presented by Cineonic and produced by the Advanced Imaging Society in Hollywood. Our executive producers are Adam Castles in New York and Mike Piltsecker in Los Angeles. Brett Harrison produced today's show, and our technical director is Matthew Bach Lombardo. This is AIS.